TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the kickback. This is your boy Jamal. Uh, let's get the business out the way. Uh, you can catch us on the kickback every week. Listen to us on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. Like, comment, give us five stars. I want to thank everybody for the support. Uh, I, I checked the numbers and things on iTunes and the listens and the likes and the thumbs up and all that stuff from some of the past from the past episodes and I just want to say thank you to all who have been listening and supporting continue to do so uh, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and that's how we keep growing this thing so remember that iTunes Google Play Stitcher Radio the logo on iTunes is like a 90's Saved by the Bell ish type logo if you haven't seen it or catch us on the OM network dot uh, com slash the kickback you can find all of our other episodes there. You can watch us live. Shout out to Facebook Live right now, even though I'm having some technical difficulties with my phone trying to get it out there. Hey, there we're, we're on watching there. us. We are on. So Facebook Live, uh, comment. And the oemnetwork.com slash live. You hear the voice behind the glass letting you know where you can find us. That's the voice behind the glass. And we have another special guest with us, a friend of the show from way back when. Um, I like to call him the kickbacks political correspondent, <laughs> all my things, politics. I, I go to this guy, a good friend of mine. His name is Ezra. Ezra, what's up with you, my man? What's happening, man? Great to be here. I am glad you are on. This is something that Ezra and I have talked about drunkenly. <laughs> Many a time. Many a time. <laughs> and now and now it is here. Um, how you been, man? What's been going on with you? Let the people introduce yourself to the people. Give the people some of your background or who you are and what you do. Oh, right. Well, I'm Ezra Wheeler. Me and this guy go back. Long a time. Decade and a half. Yeah, man. Just about that. Just about. Uh, currently working at Rock and Soul in the Memphis Music Hall of Fame. Otherwise, man, just rabble-rousing. Trying to survive in Trump's America. They're trying to survive in Trump's America, <laughs> rabble-rousing, hustling, doing what we do. Exactly. I mean, okay, so like you said, we've been knowing each other for a long time, decade and a half. We've had numerous experiences with each other, um, some good, some bad. More good than bad. I'd but, say. Um, so we all went We went to the illustrious uh, White Station High School. Where we, weren't, where we learned the word illustrious. Well, we learned the way to say the name of the high school was to add illustrious. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <in front of. laughs> uh, funny thing, and this shows you how uh, cool our class was. Ezra was the senior class president, and I was the senior class vice president. Co-vice president, to be truthful, but it doesn't really matter. I won't. I want it. You did. You know, so and we go to all our White Station listeners who want a little taste of nostalgia, which is something that I love um taking it back to the lunchroom taking it what's your favorite moment what's one of your favorite moments out of the many moments that we've had oh that's all uh, from high like in high school like you maybe maybe favorite moment from high school those four years that's a great question man. you know 
almost a cliche, but the basketball games <laughs> were hard to, and we're on a sports podcast, so yeah. Shout it's out like, to sports. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to the bouncy ball, <laughs> right? Because sport, sports, the sport, the sporty ball, especially basketball, especially, especially basketball. I love basketball. It's so pretty. How can you? How can you not like it? It's amazing. And I, then like I told Ezra on the way over here. I said, uh, you know, the show is so heavily. Sports and and the last couple ones of the majority of the last couple ones have been heavily NBA and I really I didn't want to spend too much time on that today, but all types of shit happened today. Yeah, hard to avoid. <laughs> you know, it's very hard to avoid. We'll get into it a little later. We want, but now I know that uh, you you mentioned your work with you know at the uh, with Memphis Music and all of that. Uh, you work for the Memphis Music Hall of Fame, the Rock and Soul Museum. Since you've dove back into this whole thing of Memphis music, this whole, I don't even know. I don't want to say catalog because that seems like a cliche word. This whole catalog (laughs) of the history of Memphis music. What's been the most surprising thing that you've learned or figured out? I guess, you know, I've, I've thought about this and I don't know if it's surprising, but I think a thing that's unique about Memphis that maybe, uh, it's certainly not known nationwide, I don't think, and maybe even within Memphis, it's just the impact we've had on so many different genres. Yeah, man. And I mean, you've got other musicals, great musical cities. You've got New Orleans, you got Detroit, you know, you've got Austin. But I think where we differ is they, they, New Orleans is primarily jazz, and you've got Detroit, which a little rock, but mainly soul. And what I think is so unique about Memphis is just, you know, it's the grand, it's, ground zero of blues and rock and roll and a very rich jazz history and country music and, you know, soul music in the sixties and seventies and then crunk and hip hop music. And just think the sheer volume of genres that have really kind of, if they didn't spring up from here, really kind of, uh, you know, matured here or whatever. It's, it's almost staggering. That's a funny. It's funny that you say that because um, I remember watching a couple. Doc, I'm a, I mean, it's hard not to. I don't want to say a music buff. I'm more of a music. I'm a music fan. So you want to learn more about different things. So you, I like to watch musical documentaries. So you, like back in the day, you used to watch uh, Behind the Music on VH1 or Storytellers or on MTV. Now you got um, Unsung on TV One or on TV One that talks about the history of some musical acts. And the one thing that I come to notice uh, in some of the earlier rap rappers, like when Atlanta was booming, they said they got their influence from three, six. Absolutely. And I, I was actually, uh, so one of my roles at the Memphis music hall of fame is kind of uh, doing a little research on influences. And I was three, six mafias in the museum. So as I was doing research on them, found an interview with two chains and he said his quote was you know everybody talks about the migos flow mm-hmm. he's like no disrespect to them but i ain't the migos flow that's the three six mafia flow right you know and he said he made it made the point of the younger generation who came up on you know 90s and 2000s music that i don't know i appreciated him really kind of pointing out yeah. that these guys are way more influential than they really get credit for yeah and i think that um i mean ti has said it ti is one of my favorite rappers ti has sure. said it. um 
like like you said, a lot of those Atlanta rappers, Gucci, Two Chains, Ti, all of them. Um, even some of the well, ASAP Rocky, yeah, who's a New York cat, but talks about three six on every fourth song. I mean, obviously, big influences <laughs> and, on him. Oh, I, I'm I'm getting I got him confused with Wiz. Sure, Wiz went and signed Juicy. Like Juicy J is on Wiz's label, or, right, or whatever. Right. So just that influence and like that. Um, what's the best? I mean, I've been to I haven't been to Rock and Soul, been to Memphis Music Hall of Fame. Which I mean, like you just learn so much, so much stuff about the history of music in Memphis and the act. So obviously, you know, you we're known for Stacks, Isaac Hayes. You know, like Otis Redding recorded here. You know, got some Al Green, um, who sells a church here, and, and and stuff like that. So you're known for all of that. And I would think that I think I'm interested to see. I haven't seen it since y'all put it in there, but the the JT, uh, the JT exhibit, the Justin Timberlake exhibit. I'm I'm very uh, interested in looking at that. Um, what do you vision? What are your visions for the future of the past of Memphis music? That's a hell of a question. <laughs> I think it's a great one, though. I really do think that we're doing a decent job. Um, but I think that places like Austin and Portland and you maybe Seattle, um not to take away from their musical heritage, but do a much better job at the marketing. Mm -hmm. And and I really do think that we have to market ourselves better. And where that starts is hard to say. Um, But, you know, I think people obviously associate Elvis. That's a given. And I think that the, you know, more educated people understand the roots of the blues and soul, but I don't really know if you're, average American realizes just how important we are. And I I really think that's something that we should focus on um, both for tourism and just, you know, as a, as a point of civic pride, because I right. think there, there should be a deep sense of pride for Memphians just, you know, from Johnny Cash and Jerry Lee Lewis to Elvis on to, like you said, Otis Redding, Booker T and the MGs, Aretha Franklin. And then even later on with three, six and Justin Timberlake and, in the middle there, you, your big stars and, you know, furry Lewis's and maybe lesser known names who are still deeply influential. So, right. you know, I, I think there's a lot there to sell. We just got to, you know, you know this as well as I do. Memphis has a strange inferiority complex. It, it's, I think we both have a strong civic pride, but then also... And we almost like being the underdog. We like being, yes. And and I think that that's understandable, but we've got to start really understanding who we are and what we have. In our place. In our place. In our place. It's out, like I said, it's outside of the stacks. It's outside of the sun studio, outside of stun studios, outside of all of that, like letting people know our place. Absolutely. And And I think also embracing the local scene. We've got a great local scene, a lot of great local bands. And, you know, if you want to, keep that going then the best thing to do is go out and support them and you know with your dollars pay that cover charge put that dollar you in know, the bucket we don't like to we don't like to do that cover we charge. don't and, and i'm guilty of it too but if you want a vibrant scene you know it's very important to support it get out there see those acts you know let your friends know about them if you see somebody great because there's a lot of good ones out here it's not a dead scene you're right you're right uh we had somebody comment about, uh, they said Nashville has an overinflated ego and Memphis has bad self-esteem. 
I, 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 yes. Yes. Yeah. But this is a darn great city, is what they said. And that's exactly thanks, right. Thanks for the comment, Amy. Thank Amy, you. Thank Amy. you. I totally agree. And, and, it's, and it's, it, it plays into, and I mean, to take it back to the whole sports thing, it plays into us having that chip on our shoulder. That takes, Absolutely. That, that plays into, oh, if you're the Grizzlies, oh, we can't get a, a top notch uh, free agent. We so can we'll get an just, IKEA, though. We'll deal with what we got. <laughs> Look, we got an Ikea. We got more than one Chipotle now. Get at me, Nashville. They are building another Chipotle, guys. Um, what else do we have that Nashville doesn't have? Uh, we got black, black people. people. <laughs> <laughs> there we it got is. black people. Nashville ain't got that. That was great. That was not even rehearsed. <laughs> that was not rehearsed. Um, and see, oh, yeah, I had, I had a joke because he said it was a dead scene. And I was like, speaking of dead scenes. Do you want to see the Tupac movie? (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) I got a little curiosity from what I've read, and I love Pac. Seems like they fell into the the trap, the Wikipedia version, the kind of sterilized, and, and I can't speak on it. I haven't seen it, but. I haven't seen it, and um, my brother, my brother saw it. And said it's it's if you just look at it as a movie, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it as wanting to learn more about a person, right? Eh. And that's what I mean by Wikipedia version. It it seems like you know that the high school essay version of who Tupac was, yeah, without any real. And I think the great biops with whether it's uh you know. Walk the Line or Ray or Straight Out of Compton. The reason they were so successful and loved is that they, it was warts and all, and and you really got a sense of who that person was. Right, and that, that, I, that's what I was telling someone. I didn't, I don't, I didn't want them to uh, sensitize or sanitize Tupac. Right, like he wasn't a clean, like Tupac wasn't a clean person you can't clean him up like to understand him you have to know everything about him and that's my problem with how we as hip-hop head i'm not a hip-hop head as we as hip-hop fans look at tupac right because we let tupac get away with a bunch of things that we would not let other rappers get away with and nobody nobody called him on it comes with martyrdom yeah you know it's the benefit of martyrdom you know, and, and no, right. if, if nobody he did a lot of things that we chastise artist today or whatever for doing and we just let him get away with us get away with it um but it's kind of this there was one of the critiques of notorious big's movie because they put him in this in his very neat package well he sold drugs at first and then he started rapping and getting out and then nothing but like nah he was a crazy dude like he was you know what I'm saying he's out here beating women and doing, doing all this other stuff that's not in there i mean they skipped over some of that and stayed out straight out of compton too sure but in sure. terms of the biopics or the biopics I think that that's what we're kind of going towards now, the whole um, cleaning cleaning them up. Right. And I also think then in Pac's, in Pac's, Pac's perspective, instead of like Strata Compton or Ray or Johnny Cash, we're in this information age, right? So it's like we all knew or we, there was so much information out there about Tupac that you kind of already knew. You know what I'm saying? That's a great point. So many You're documentaries and stuff You're not hiding like that. anything that we don't have complete access to with a couple clips. Right. So, so why hide it? So why hide it? Like right. with Ray or even uh, 
James Brown, like the James Brown joke. Sure. Like you didn't know he was out here slapping girl, women around and right. doing all the crazy stuff he was doing. Right. Ray the same way. Uh, well, Ray wasn't physical. Sure, but there's drug problems. But the, the, the drug problems, so like you had no idea because the, the information just wasn't out there. Right. And now, like, they're, Pac passed in 96? That sounds right. Yeah. Pac in 96, Biggie in 98. Um, but there, since 96, there has been this many... Auditoriums, this many <laughs> documentaries and whatever stuff about them that you kind of think you you almost kind of know everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, getting away, like not getting away. Last one, we'll go and we'll switch it over to some sports stuff. What is your thought? What's your thoughts on the current state of uh, hip hoppers? I, I, that's a complicated one. Um, turning thirty one soon, so I got to make sure that. I'm not old man yells at the kids on the lawn. Get off my lawn, oh, yeah. young yachty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I, I'm both in. I think there's a lot of great talent. I, I think the way I think of hip hop and a, first of all, there's this um, tendency to say these stupid memes of comparing Biggie lyrics to Lil Yachty lyrics like we didn't have. MC Hammer or Chingy or I mean it ain't new that they, and that's fine. There does seem to be an emphasis more on the sonics and the sound and the using your voice as an instrument over lyricism. But once again, I think it's inst- would be more instructive to think of hip hop like we think of rock and roll. You've got emo, yeah. which is yes. Drake. You've got punk, which is run the jewels you've got glam rock which is you know young thug and where rock is able to have various genres that sound completely hip-hop doesn't quite seem willing to do that i don't I, I, that's a great point that's a great point and i don't know why that is is it, I, I feel like it's i i think i maybe do because it's 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 so young as a as a genre of music um and since it's it's getting older though it is it is and since it's majority minorities the like it seems like minorities are always supposed to have one voice right you know, and, 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 and and say one thing and say it the same way and yada 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 and authenticity in hip-hop is yeah is key keeping it real or whatever the the term du jour is of that decade but that being said i mean there's a lot of great talent um but yeah, I, I do think once I started thinking of in those terms, it might not be my cup of tea. But that's what I like. I might not listen. To, I don't, and I, and I, I hate that not, I keep using Yachty as an example. But that's just his name has been on my mind because Joe Budden and all that stuff. But, sure. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, not one of, but I know two of his songs, just because they the, play one on the radio, and that my players listen to it a lot. But the stuff they listening to, Uzi Vert, Yachty. There's some dude named NBA, young boy NBA. I don't even know. But that ain't for me. Right. Like, I don't need to go listening. So I can't chastise them or be mad at them for listening to it and say, y'all don't know. That's them. Let them do that. I'll be over here listening to what I listen to. You know, if it's old outcast or if it's like sure. new run jewels or if it's a J. Cole album that's good or a Kendrick album that people can actually listen to. You know what I'm saying? I will listen to those. But. I ain't, I'm never going to be the one to look down on somebody and say, man, y'all don't know this, that, and yada, yada, or get mad at somebody else for their hustle. Well, And when 18-year-olds start coming out with music that doesn't piss off 
older people, then they're doing it wrong. Right. That That's kind of the thing. That's, you know what? That's part of it. That's part of that's it. That's part of it. Um, and so the, but the, what's, <laughs> I, I asked you this because there was an incident at the BET Awards a couple of days ago <laughs> between the Migos and um, hip hop's grumpy uncle, Joe Budden. <laughs> That's a that's an app description. And you know I, I don't I don't like Joe Budden because he has personally given himself the mantle of the savior of hip hop. And he must be the voice of all real hip hoppers and do whatever it is to stop everybody else that's not real hip hop. That's my interpretation. I think a lot of people agree with me. But what is your take on the gatekeepers, quote unquote, of real hip hop in their attitudes toward this new generation well i think there's a line to walk i think that joe budden aside because i i agree with you on that one but i think that it's okay to remind people the roots of hip-hop and the importance of lyricism and to try to keep that alive while also once again opening yourself up to these sub-genres and letting them hmm it's a it's like I said, it's, it's walking a line. I, I really do think that quote unquote gatekeepers serve a purpose. You know, it's whatever genre it is. If you're playing blues, it's important to have the old heads there who play the classic blues, who kind of keep that tradition alive while also letting it open and flower and turn into whatever it's going to turn into. But yeah, screw Joe Budden. Yeah, man, Migos should have beat them up in a flowery outfit. <laughs> that would have been the best thing ever if they would have jumped on Joe Budden in them tight pants and in them tight shirts. If he had hit the floor, though, they wouldn't. Have, oh, knees can't bend. They would have been. It would have oh, been. Oh man, yeah. And I guess they could have kicked. And he them. was like, even okay, even as a professional, even as a professional, if you're going to be in this space and that's what you're going to do, you got to be professional. If the interview is going bad, grit your teeth, bear the interview. Bear it to the end. Don't get mad. Drop your mic. Walk off. Huff under your breath. Yada yada. I don't care what's going on around or before. If you're gonna do it, be professional. And do it. If not, you're crazy. You know, so we ain't really yeah. No old money. They ain't worried about old money. <laughs> we got a whole lot of new money. It made for a great video. <laughs> it made for, and that happened on Sunday before the award show. And everybody's still talking about it. Yeah, exactly. And there's memes and what is it. So I don't know if it helps Joe Budden. I don't know if it helps the Migos. I don't even know if the Migos need any more help in the things. It helped Daquan's Instagram page. <laughs> Who is the Daquan dude? Let's, we're going to have to do a deep dive. Who is Daquan? Who is Daquan? And why does he always get these videos? <laughs> All right. Uh, what else happened in this last past week? Okay. Um, the NBA. Since we last talked, the NBA had its draft and they had his first award show hosted by Drake, who did a good job. He he, he did. did. He, he did. did. He was job. charming. It was fun. I mean, Drake is that kind of dude. And uh, some news happened today. So to go through it real quick, the NBA at their inaugural award show, they had um, Russell Westbrook won the MVP. Draymond Green was Defensive Player of the Year. Malcolm Brogdon was Rookie of the Year. Giannis, Greek freak, Antetokounmpo was the most improved player. Eric Gordon won six man of the year and coach of the year was Mike D'Antoni. None of these are really surprises. Um, you probably could have, besides rookie of the year. I did uh, find that one surprising. You probably could have guessed every other one. 
so I'm not really going to go too much in that. We've gone in depth about all that. I mean, Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double for a season. He was going to win MVP. Uh, during the draft, we talked about that. So the number one pick, number one pick was traded between Boston and Philadelphia. So Philadelphia took Markel Fultz out of Washington. The Lakers took Lonzo, Lonzo Ball out of UCLA. The Voice's favorite person. He loves Lonzo Ball. <laughs> he loves Lonzo Ball. <laughs> uh, the Boston Celtics took Jason Tatum out of Duke. Phoenix Suns took Josh Jackson out of Kansas. And the Sacramento Kings took De'Aaron Fox out of Kentucky. There was a big news on draft day. Um, the Timberwolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves traded Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and the number seven pick to Chicago for Jimmy Butler. And the number 16 pick. So that number seven pick became Laurie Marketing from the Arizona Wildcats, Bear Down. So he plays, he's on Chicago now. And that 16th pick was uh, Justin Patton, which I think he was from Creighton. Mm. Might be Creighton if I'm, I don't, I might be mistaken on that. But that kind of shook the sink shockwaves because that makes Minnesota a, a decent team now. It makes them a, a little bit better. A lot of young now. talent on that team. A lot of young talent. Tibbs got another one of his people that he know can play, and he'll run Jimmy into the ground like he always does. But, you know, uh, they got better. Local news, uh, the Grizzlies started the night with no draft picks, ended up with two draft picks. They drafted Ivan Rabb from Cal and Dylan Brooks from Oregon, which prompted me to get a bunch of text messages from people because those kids played in the Pac-12, and since I went to Arizona, I'm supposed to be all things Pac-12. Um. and What's the your, big news today. Oh, what is that? Go ahead. Give me the hot take. And the hot take on them? Just a just a little quick hot take. A little quick hot take. Rab is two years away mm-hmm. and Brooks could contribute this year. And I think I don't know if he's better than Wayne Selden, but he's gonna be competing with Wayne Selden for one of those roster spots. I mean, that wasn't a hot take. That was a very medium take. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> you heard it on a kickback. Um, and today, Wednesday, the 27th, 28th of June, the Los Angeles Clippers traded my mortal enemy, oh. Chris Paul, to Houston for a package of, listen to all they got, man. Listen to all they got. This is how you do a trade, because these dudes got as much as they wanted for Chris Paul, if I can just find the tweet. Because uh, I some more some more things happened with it besides what I have on this paper uh, as the day went on. So I don't have it. Um, they got the Clippers traded CP3 to Houston for Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, um, Kyle Wiltshire, and like three more players plus $661,000 and a first round protected pick for next year's draft. So they got a lot of players going uh, to the Clippers, and the Rockets got the point guard to match with James Harden. They say they're not done. They're trying to get Paul George or Gordon Hayward or somebody else to add to them so they can get their own big three-slash-super team. You know, at if first, I didn't like that. I, I was Right when I saw that, I was like, it's, I don't get it. Like, they've already established Harden as the main ball handler, and then I feel like there's going to be— because any time that you start putting superstars together— if one plays bad, you automatically think, well, they're not as good as the other guy. Right. And he's falling under the pressure of living up or whatever. But and then I started thinking about it. I was like, man, it's going to be pick and roll city in Houston. Listen, listen, this is a no 
positive things said about Chris Paul or James Harden's own. I forgot about that. You know, I don't like neither one of them. Mm-hmm. Hate is a very strong word, but I strongly, 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 strongly dislike either of them. It's, it's going to do my heart good to see them lose in the first round of the playoffs because that's what they do. Chris Paul has never – they'll lose in the second round because he always ends in losing the second round. So yeah. Chris Paul, and they always flop. He's a flopper. I'm so happy that this trade happened. He's old. And he's old and he's mean and he's gonna be try to be he's gonna try to be mean to James Harden, but James Harden ain't gonna care that much. And right. you're like, yo, bro, like it's just basketball, fam. Like, chill out. <laughs> and they still not gonna be Golden State. They still don't have enough to be Golden State. When is somebody gonna go to the Eastern Conference? Why would you not go to the Eastern Conference? Well, Make like, your life easy and just, go to the Eastern Conference. Just when? <laughs> What do, do what is going on? What do I, do, do I need to? Should I stay in the West and fight the Spurs, the up and coming Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Trailblazers, even the Grizzlies? The Grizzlies to beat you up, like really beat you up to get to the catches in the first round. We just might get you. You know what I'm saying? Like Utah is on the come up still. Do I want to stay in the West and play them, or should I go to the East? And the only team I have to worry about really is Cleveland and Boston, right. maybe Washington. Exactly. Maybe the Raptors. No. They're gonna they're gonna lose Kyle Lowry, I think. You think so? They say, oh, that is. I did hear rumors. That they say there are he people might. Looking into him. And so, like, if and they might lose their uh, president because um, the Knicks fired Phil Jackson today. That's, that's they mutually not. agreed to to part, and they are targeting the uh, Toronto Raptors president, Masai Ujiri. No, no, no. You got to get the man in there. Get Drake in the front <laughs> office. <laughs> You Let's know get Drake in there making decisions. Let's start the campaign. Drake as president or general manager of the Raptors this season. You heard Please. I am all for it. 110%. You heard it here. You heard it here in the kickback. Come on, Drake. Get in there. Come on, Drake. Oh, we can get him in here in Memphis. You know, he got family here. True. You know Worst behavior. Worst behavior. Dennis Graham, what's up? Haven't seen you in the streets lately. So. That's cool. You got Dennis? So I've been thinking we need to record that Audible ad. All right, all right, all right, all right. Listen, listen. I got an idea. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do a classic smart guy, dumb guy, and you you can play the smart guy. Uh, I get to play the smart guy. Yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be tough. That's a little outside of my range, but I'll think I'll try. Yep. Rain it in, Daniel D. Lewis. All right. Okay. So what's gonna happen is we're gonna queue up. Maybe we're at a uh, like a bar or something. So maybe we'll queue some uh, like random bar noises right now, and I'll say something like. Man, I don't know. With this job, my wife, my kids, I just can never find any time to read. Well, you don't have to read. You can listen to books. Excuse me? Are you telling me I can use another sense to take in a book? Yeah, you don't have to use your eyes. Okay, I'm listening now with my ears that we were just talking about. Yeah, it's called audible.com. Audible.com? What's that? Well, you can go on there. You can download a book. You can click play on your device and you can listen to the whole thing read by somebody, the author sometimes. Well, I mean, it's pretty intriguing, but I'm still skeptical. Well, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash OAM. Audibletrial.com slash OAM? Yep. I'm sold. And scene. Now cue some music and do like a short, compacted, hitting all the key points thing. Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash OAM. 
Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So, Drake, uh... <laughs> that was great. I'm glad that you said that because that is hilarious. I want to pull up the specifics on this trade because when I say that the Clippers got a lot, it actually helps their team if they want to keep uh, Blake Griffin. But he's a free agent, so he might not sign. But that is the first thing that they said that they're going to do. Their mission right now is retaining Blake Griffin. Well, see, it's like literally a second after the news came out that Chris Paul was leaving, J.J. Reddick was like, no, nah, I'm not coming back. J.J. <laughs> Reddick said, I'm not resigning. So I do like what uh, Chandler Parsons said, or, or uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Chandler Parsons leads the league with uh, DM slides. That dude has slid into so many DMs. <laughs> it's insane. But uh, he said that they needed to do a DeAndre Jordan's uh, take two. You know, when they, like, locked, locked him, him in, in a house. house. Yeah. That was great. Um, no, look, look. See, I'm, now I'm at a crossroads. Because if, um, if Blake... Do we need to play crossroads? No, not, okay. not that type of crossroads. But oh, okay. good, like, always on point. The voice is always on point. Because um, if Chris Paul isn't on the Clippers, and Blake Griffin isn't on the Clippers anymore, I don't think I can hate the Clippers. Right. And, you know what I'm saying? As a Grizz fan, because those were the dudes that I hated. Yeah, no, I I, I hated don't care about it. the franchise. Right, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a nothing franchise. It's a nothing franchise. So, yeah, yeah I don't really care. So no, now, I won't retain. My hatred will... will it'll cease? Yeah. Dissipate a little bit? But I'll hate Houston way more now. Oh, my God, I'll hate Houston. Well, like I said, it, it, like, Chris Paul and James Harden? Get out of here. Oh, my God. I, I can't wait for them. To, and I want them to lose to like a bad. I want them to lose like the Jazz or the Timberwolves in the second. Yeah, round. somebody they have no business losing to. But since it's them and they should not have prosperity in anything, right? I want them to lose. Absolutely. So, uh, Houston will send them Lou Williams, Pat Beverly, Sam Decker, DeAndre Liggins, who they traded for, um, some dude named Hilliard, who they traded for today, uh, Montrezl Harrell, Kyle Wiltshire, the protected first round pick. And six hundred sixty-one thousand dollars. So well, it sounds like they only have three players on their team. Right, so, <laughs> so that's pretty good. I hope they can produce because they only have. They're going to have to starting three. So right now they can play in the Ice Cube Big Three League. Right. Probably win with those three <laughs> with Chris Paul, James Harden. By the way, I saw that uh, our guy Derek. He had nineteen in that first. Yeah, game. he had nineteen and six. He had nineteen and six. What you know they do? they did them though because so on they play the games on Sunday nights. Yeah. And Fox Sports airs them the next day on Monday. So they have time to edit it and cut it up. And it's they play all four games back to back to back to back. So Derek's game was the game that they only showed like a two-minute highlight clip from. Oh, really? So like three games, they showed they showed the full three other games. <laughs> his was the only game they only gave like a two-minute highlight clip to. They didn't show none of his buckets. I'm like, this Ouch. dude scored 19 of his teams 50 points and they didn't put none of his boy, none yeah. of his points on TV but uh, that's a subtle plug if you want to listen to an old episode it's called the Derek Byers interview of the of the kickback and uh, thank you check that out uh, anyway it's classic the oamnetwork.com yeah. all original podcasts are we, not, are we doing plugs now sorry yeah. <laughs> yep. that's, that was on point that, that, listen man we are on it today I'm gonna tell you that much um and like I wanna I wanna withhold any other 
thoughts on the NBA until I see what happens uh, after next week when free agency really starts. Because Boston trying, Boston's really trying to get Paul George and Gordon Hayward. It's almost right now who can come up with the best roster for Paul George to decide he wants to go to or who can offer Indiana the best package to trade to get Paul George. So that's going to be all of that. It's going to be very interesting. And um, I don't think anybody knows exactly what's going to happen because if you would have asked somebody four days ago if Chris Paul was going to be on the Rockets, they would have said no. Yeah, exactly right. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like uh, I'm going to just withhold there's no use in guessing because you don't really know and we'll see what the Grizzlies do. We'll see what these other teams do. And we go from one thing that we know, one person that we know is doing very stupid stuff, like most NBA franchises usually do, <laughs> is uh, your president and my president. Oh God, the Donald Jeffrey Trump. What's his middle name? I want to just give him a black middle name. I like it, Donald. He doesn't deserve that. Donald Deontay Trump. <laughs> 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 now, Ezra, you are our political correspondent. That I don't want to call it your expertise, but that's what I go to you for for all of my my good news and stuff like that. So, I have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I'm an expert. Yes, yes. Um, your your thoughts on this first seven months of his presidency, <laughs> six months of his presidency. <sighs> Is that um, enough? Yeah. On Facebook I, Live, you can see what he did. <laughs> uh, I, I'm scared, man. It is just, <laughs> it is just bad news all around. I mean, the healthcare debate, I think, is just a perfect representation. Uh nobody's driving this ship. The guy doesn't have a clue of what's going on. It's clear. What bothers me the most? What bothers me isn't the fact that he doesn't have a clue. It's the fact that he surrounded himself with right. people that don't have a clue. That's exactly right. Or, and if you ask him, you know what he's going to say? It's a huge problem. It's really New Hampshire has a huge heroin problem. I mean, he's doing huge, huge things. New Hampshire has a huge heroin problem. I'm a huge Second Amendment person. He's a huge. Are you playing a huge complication? The global warming Phenomenon. And you get things done. But You're a rough guy. You've been rough. You threatened to sue me and my parents for giving birth to me. No, I would never do that. That's no, exactly no, what you did. You I don't want to hear his voice anymore. Sorry. Sorry. I'm a huge fan of your mother. I don't know. You know, you're this is your president, man. Yeah, it's quite depressing. Um, you, go ahead. You touched on the health care thing. And we all know that one of his main campaign crutches or main campaign promises was getting rid of Obamacare. Obamacare stinks. I don't even like calling it Obamacare, uh, the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. Get rid of, getting rid of the Affordable Care Act and all of that. And he has tried unsuccessfully once already. He already had one bill that people were like, nah, dog, this ain't Correct. The, the, the House bill, which did come out of the house, but which was met with something like a 14% approval rating, which in today's climate, when you have bipartisan agreement, it's shocking. (laughs) And we got it. It was universally loathed and hated. And now we've got the Senate version, which guess what is another dumpster fire pulling it. I think 19%. Um, What's strange is that now that Republicans, maybe not strange, but Obamacare is in the, 
mid 50% approval rate. Is that, is that it's, it's at all time high as of this week, <laughs> Obamacare is now polling higher than it ever has because people are afraid to lose it. now. Well, when you put something that's well-intentioned, but imperfect next to an evil pile of shit, then yeah, starts looking pretty good. Give me that imperfect thing instead of the pile of feces. Yes, exactly. Right. So I think a lot of people, the thing is you cannot give people benefits or, or a new social program and then strip it away. It's just not how it, it's bad politics. It's bad policy and it just doesn't work. So as many flaws as Obamacare has, the people have it. Yeah. They're in a better position than they were prior. And now that you want to no, it, it's the best thing that I saw was today. I was, um, eating some lunch and I was going through Twitter and I came across this video. I forget if it was on MSNBC or CNN or, or one of, one of those, it was a former Republican Senator who was voted against the affordable care act for however many times he could before it was passed because of what he said it did to the people. Mm -hmm. And then he lost his job. He got, he got, he lost his job to a Democrat in one of the elections and he had a pre extended Pre, um, what's it called? The pre-existing condition. Yes, pre-existing. Yeah, I can't even talk right now. Pre-existing condition, and he ended up needing Obama, wow. uh, uh, affordable care. Right. And he's like, now I see the error of my ways, and why that. And I'm like, why does it? Why does it take it to happen to you? Well, for you to see, for people to see and understand exactly what it is. That's exactly right, and I think that that's true with the GOP largely. It's just they have a deep empathy problem and as a bunch of rich white straight guys i mean it who have no empathy for anybody else it ends up spelling disaster right <laughs> very often and yeah we're seeing it again with this but um i mean the damn bill it cuts 540 or excuse me it gives 540 billion dollars in tax cuts it's not a health care bill it's a tax cut bill I mean, healthcare is really has nothing to do with it. It's a misnomer. Yeah, it's, it's a, about him taking care of his people, right? I mean, that's honestly all it is. I know it's a talking point, and it kind of maybe sounds cliche at this point, but from everything, I've, there's no other way to frame it. Yeah, it is what it is. It's a tax cut for the rich, taken off the backs of the poor, and it's uh, disgusting to their credit which I give them very, very little of nine Republican Senate Republicans came out against it, which is they were supposed to vote on it tomorrow. And now it's been pushed past the 4th of July holiday. There will be town halls, right? This, this was somebody, somebody was saying that's, that is why it's <laughs> Mitch McConnell was pushing for it to happen this week. Because if oh, those people have to go back to their home, their home, their hometown constituents in here, we saw it after the house vote. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, the liberal version of the tea party, they were blasted and had no answers because it makes no sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> it's hard it, to explain any. It's hard to explain something that doesn't make any sense. Right. Like we're, we're and it's we're, based on just falsities. It's based on pulling crap out of the air and it, putting no paper. Can, I, can and, I give a story? Oh, please do. The other day I walked in and my daughter, she's four. Um, she walked up to me and said, daddy are elephants, boys or girls. And I, I shook my head. I was like, what does that even mean? 
It just doesn't make any sense. Right. How do I how do I answer that question? Yeah, it's like that, I've never been asked this question before. I mean, there has to be like it's like the answer is it's not what she she thinks it's going to be a one or a, like that's what it is. Like, right, you can't answer a question that doesn't make sense. Right, they're both <laughs> just for our listeners. And out then there. she's going to be like. What? <laughs> there is a boy elephant and a girl elephant? Well, I mean, she's of the what? she's of the understanding that dogs are boys and cats are girls. So, uh, see, oh, which is a weird thing to think, but it is kind of like. But she's four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll give her. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give her. She's probably. You know what? I'm not going to talk about that man like that. But I'm pretty sure she probably understands healthcare more than. The current president. He who shall not be named. <laughs> she says huge the same way, too. <laughs> huge. She can't say it. China. <laughs> she says China weird, China. too. China. China. But Some people just call him 40, 40, uh, 45. 45. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I can't do that because that brings me back to Jordan. Jordan came back wearing the 45. Mm. Uh, so I won't, I, won't, I won't call him that. That's just fair. call him what his actual name is. It's like Drumpf. <laughs> Mr. Drumpf. Is that, yeah. is that true? Yes. His family's name when he moved to, when they first moved to America was D R U M P F Drumpf. It's just a sound of failure. It's just it like is. when he, it's a <laughs> Drumpf. Drumpf. It sounds the same. That, can you put that in the in the computer as that? Can you save that sound as Drumpf? Drumpf. It has to have that over over it too. Okay. I'm... <laughs> no, but just back to healthcare. There's three parts of it i just i think that there's the policy aspect which we touched on a bit which is a nightmare yeah. it's and then there's the process and then there's the politics but what i think has been ignored is the process and the process has been as troubling as anything to me and that was six seven white male republicans in a back room behind closed doors passing legislation that will affect tens of millions of people in one sixth of the U.S. economy, literally just in a room together with the head of the, you know, Senate uh, finance committee had not seen the bill until four days. If we're able to pass legislation or craft a legislation that affects one sixth of the U.S. economy behind a closed door and that is now okay. Something's wrong. We're, that, that honestly, in a very real sense, is no longer a democracy. And I think that that was overlooked a bit, and it's just as troubling as the bill itself is. Once we talked, we, especially when the election first happened, we talked about norms and the undoing of norms, and now we have to not norm a lot. And I think this is the kind of thing we were talking about. If this becomes normal, then it, it in a very real sense, undermines the whole process. Well, yes, that's the, there's nothing normal about anything that these people are doing. Not no, absolutely. And not. and we talked about it off air, um, about how uh, written, written the written press is going away, right? And like in a couple years, there won't be any people writing words on paper for anything. You get all your news from video clips on the phone and stuff. And so you look at and and just media in general, and you look at how like the they're doing the press, press as he says, press. as he's. Trying, he's delivering news on a phone. On a phone, yeah, right over and, the internet, and like right. the press doesn't. You can't bring your cameras in the press brief and into the press briefings. They kind of control what you're trying to write about. Like, no, that's not that's not normal. That's not how you govern people. That's not how you're supposed to govern people in a democracy where people are supposed to know and be able to hold people accountable to these things. 
and the fact that nobody gets held accountable. They don't ever want to be held accountable for anything that he has said and done or they have said and or done. It's always something else. Well, what's so interesting is they've done it in a different way. Now, you you did mention like the not letting cameras into the press briefing, which is kind of a classic, um, you know, press obstruction. But in so many ways, they've been the most wide open, transparent administration in history, just inadvertently. They, the guy will tell you anything you want to hear. All you have to. He's <laughs> like the drunk friend who you know has a story to tell, but doesn't want to tell you when he's sober. So y'all just go out and drink a lot. Right. And, and then literally after the third shot, he's like, bro, let me, bro. That's, I mean, that's bro, exactly let me, right. Let me they tell you they try to be closed door authoritarians, but they've got a toddler running the party. <laughs> and so it doesn't work out too well for him most right. of the time. Cause he'll just tell so you it on is, Twitter. It's this very strange dichotomy of extreme secrecy and, you know, the undermining of the, the fourth estate, but also, almost radical openness about, you know, the party will come out and say, well, no, he didn't say that and he didn't mean it. And then you put him on a microphone and Trump says, yes, I said that. And I meant that (laughs) he didn't call (laughs) He never said travel ban three minutes later. Okay. He, maybe he said travel ban, but still listen, two minutes later. All right. We know he said travel ban, but it's not a travel ban. It's it's a Muslim ban. Not look. He just wants to ban Muslims. (laughs) Okay. Look, okay. Maybe not just Muslims. Everybody look like, just chill out. Just stop talking. <laughs> right. Just, just put stop. down the Twitter machine. <laughs> Keep this guy in the back room where you where you craft right. healthcare. Right. Lock him just, in that room. Just give him some crayons and, <laughs> and a, a Denny's and menu, a coloring book, <laughs> and he's good to go. <laughs> uh, the whole media, the whole media portrayal of this dude, right? Mm. And so, I mean, obviously, you have the fake news, fake news, quote unquote, or or whatever else he wants to blame, he wants to call things that speak negatively of him. Uh, so the CNNs, the MSNBC, sure. the Washington Post, New York Post, New York Times, LA Times, almost any other major credible. That's not Breitbart or <laughs> right, Fox Any other news. major credible sure. news organization that has been critical of him. He calls them fake news. But you also got this one entity who has started becoming critical of him in certain things. So there's certain things you can't. There's certain things you just have to be critical of him in mm-hmm. as a human being, as a decent human being. Uh, what do you think of that? Like, what do you think of the entire media narrative around this guy I, and this, this administration? Well, there's two media apparatus, like what you touched on. There's the right wing media and then there's the mainstream media. I think that the mainstream media gets a B minus. Um I think they're trying. I think they're doing much better than they did during the election. I think that they're taking their role more seriously. And sometimes where they fall short is forgivable because it's hard. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's hard to know what to focus on. It's hard to know what to take seriously. It's which is, I think, I don't know if it's the white house's strategy or if it's just a happy coincidence that they're, sowing this confusion, but I think the mainstream media is doing a decent job. I think that the right wing media is perhaps the biggest obstacle we have. I think that that is the reason that, 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 that media apparatus explains so much of why his numbers have stayed above water of why people aren't dropping like flies is because 
you have a whole different reality coexist. Yeah. And I don't know how to defeat that. I I think that Fox News and Breitbart is way harder to defeat than the Republican Party and a way bigger problem in a lot of ways. And and I really don't have a great answer on on what to do about that. Um, it's it's so weird, man, because like I said, like I'm not, I don't politics is in my bag. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those things where you 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 have to know enough to where you you don't fall into the, the trap they want you to fall into. Exactly. Well, and so I, I, I try to be balanced. Like, that's the one thing I remember reading somebody. I can't remember who said it was like, you want to be balanced. So you want to read left, like left wing mainstream and right. Like you want to read them all. Sure. So you can see different points of views. And also you're just not reading things that agree with what you feel. Mm-hmm. But it's just so crazy that when you watch CNN or you watch MSNBC, that, their talking points are completely different than the talking points on Fox News. Like what, Fox News has barely mentioned this whole healthcare thing this entire week, and that's one of the major stories in the country. I think that's the thing is we're no longer. Um, there's always been divides. There's always been two sides. There's always, but we we shared a reality. We shared a basic reality that then we gave our on prescriptions on the best way to. We're no longer living in the same reality. And that's what I mean is what's so hard is it's not here's my tax policy plan versus your tax policy plan. And we're dealing with the same numbers. It's now the sky's red. And yeah, and you walk outside and you see it's blue. Like, wait a minute. And then you say, no, the sky's blue. And they say, well, that's what you would believe, sheeple. And then what? Do snowflake. You, snowflake. Yeah, of course, the sky's blue to you, snowflake. And then. <laughs> you know, it's uh, that's not I, even the most offensive one. Libtard, libtard. See that I do I, when people say Obamacare. When you said we should call it the Affordable Care Act because that's what it's called, I feel like that when they call it Obamacare, it's like old Barry Obama and his idea. Let's just call it Obamacare. <laughs> right. It's his thing. And like nobody knows. else wanted it. Yeah, you know, like it's it's it's. And I think we said it on this show before. He he did himself a disservice by allowing them to continue calling it that. He should have. Right. It was it was a branding problem that right. we didn't recognize soon enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's one of those things, like you said. It's it's you can talk all day about the idiocy of the things going on in this camp, not even the campaign anymore. I want to say campaign because he's acting like he's still campaigning. One would think. You're out, he's out here holding these crazy rallies, still talking about Hillary and still talking about Bernie, still talking about Barack, President Obama. And like, why, bro? You already won. Well, let, Just chill. I do what you got to do to when you already won. The reason, and the reason why is, and it's kind of what we're seeing with the whole entire Republican Party, not just Trump, is for the last eight years, they've defined themselves completely in opposition. They've not had a single original idea. They've not had a single policy prescription. They've not had, it's been obstruction and resistance. And now that they have the keys to the car, well, guess what? We don't know how to drive. And that's becoming very clear. They got the keys to the car and they're like, oh, this is a car? Right. And this isn't a bicycle. And I think that that, we we know that Trump's a dummy, but we're seeing it with the whole Republican Party. You have, the Supreme Court, the presidency, and all of Congress, and you've not been able to do a damn thing. And that's telling. Speaking of that, uh, I, 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 I call you this, and speaking of justices, 
and Supreme Court and cases and all of that. Um, I like to, I call you, uh, you're woke, as they say, <laughs> quote unquote woke. Quote unquote. Um, Iris, the uh, kickbacks um, legal correspondent, a legal advisor, once said that you were invited to the picnic. I, I remember that clearly. Yes. She was so, so how does it feel or even what does it mean? What's it like to be considered one of the woke white dudes, like to, to be considered one of the woke white people who are out here doing like speaking on issues like this from a position that you don't expect to hear most white people speak from. If you didn't tell, if you couldn't tell Ezra was, Ezra was white. Oh my God. This is a Whoa. Kick, Exclusive. Hold on, I'm gonna. The video is actually in black and white. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need a moment to deal with this fuck. Exclusive on the kickback. As as I don't know. Um, there's a lot of you know. We all have our complicated identities, and part of mine is being a straight white Southern man, but I also am a millennial who grew up in a black city. Right. So it's both maybe strange and and but also. I feel like I'm one most of my peer group is. So I don't know. There's times where it leads to deep frustration in college, you know, going to an SEC school. I was certainly an outsider back in Memphis. I feel like less so. Um, But in any frustration I have, I mean, it, it, it probably can't compare to what a woman feels or what a person of color feels or what a gay person feels. So I, Certainly don't want to do the woe is me thing, but it's interesting. Um, but I kind of, I guess, appreciate the ability to be a quote unquote advocate or, yeah. a, you know, an ally or whatever the word we're using. But um, it's hard times. But like I said, being a. God, I hate the word millennial. <laughs> I hate it with my own butt. For lack of a better term, it gives me hope. Because yeah. I I think that I'm less of an outlier when it, I think if you, most young white men of my, maybe 50, 50, which you get older and I mean. Yeah, no. The no, numbers no, 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 skew no, no, great. Yeah, definitely. So I, I, I had, that's the only demographics. <laughs> demographics help. Demographics in this country are maybe the one thing that gives me hope. As we get more diverse and as the younger generation seems to be more quote unquote woke. And I think that's maybe the one and only gift of this Trump administration is it really woke up a lot of people. I think, yeah, that's a great point. And this is the most we've used woke on this show in a long time. <laughs> I don't um, think we should have 60 to 70 year old people running our country. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. Like people They're that not should going take the driver's though. test again. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And you're gonna run people who don't understand phones. If you can't, technology. if you can't open an iPhone, yeah, you shouldn't be running for office. I think that's probably right. You shouldn't be running for that's uh, that's another declaration here on the kickbacks. Um, and so you you talked about demographics, and you talked about, uh, you know, having black friends and under, trying to understand where they come from in kind of some situations and certain things. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you and I always talk about is uh. What's been going on in this country? I don't even want to say lately because it is not lately, but it's been brought to our attention more lately is of, you know, the criminal justice system and their fear of the black man. Right. And so it it comes to my mind because 
Um, last week, the uh, the killer of uh, Philander Castillo in Minnesota um, was not convicted, right? And of killing him, and like, that's the dude who got killed on Facebook Live. Basically, traffic stop, cop pulled him over. Nobody really knows the reason why the cop pulled him over, right? Because he said it was a tail light at first. Then he said it was a um, mistaken you, identity. Mistaken identity. You, you looked like a suspect, right. so I pulled you over. He told him, you know, <laughs> I am a legal gun. I can carry my gun legally. I'm a legal gun owner. Mm-hmm. My gun is on me. Soon as the officer heard that, he assumed that the dude was going to pull his gun on him because that's what you do when you put your gun on somebody. You tell him you that you tell have him one. That you have your gun right. on you. That's, classic that's, bait and switch. Classic, <laughs> classic hoodwink. Right. <laughs> classic. What's in the left hand? Now's in the right. I told you I got a gun. Now but I'm where pour it is on. it? Uh, and then he ends up shooting him in cold blood in front of his um, girlfriend and his daughter. Uh, so the killer doesn't get convicted, and um, I tried to fact check this because so, I didn't want to say anything crazy about it, but. Um, in the last couple years, mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just define it to that. Zero white cops have been convicted in the killing of unarmed or legally armed black men. Right. Um the 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 kicker is that the dude was fired. He was found not guilty, but the police force fired him, and the city awarded his, Philando Castillo's family a three million dollar settlement. Right. So which basically says like which basically admits guilt. Yes. Like, all right, bro, like we look. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That blows my mind. Um so the city has to pay that money comes from taxpayers, correct? Absolutely. That's right. So the taxpayers are footing the bill for the city who ended up hiring this dude that basically get it it's a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, so taxpayers are paying for the fact that you got scared one day in your job and shot somebody. Right. Um, I was reading some stuff today, man, that, and and it, it leads to, like I said, the fear of the black man, the black man, um, or the, just the, the way that people don't even care about black lives, you know, the whole black lives matter thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mike Brown, who, his death kind of sparked this whole new renaissance of, putting the spotlight on these things back in Ferguson. His family was awarded a $1.6 million settlement from the city of Ferguson or St. Louis, whichever one it is. I don't know. I think they might even be together on that. Um, after his killer was not convicted or even didn't even go to trial. They didn't, he didn't even go to trial. And I was reading, it was an article today that said it was a family in Maryland whose dog was shot by a police officer. And uh, that family got $1.2 million. White people love dogs. Because the officer killed a dog. Right. So you mean to tell me that Mike Brown's life was only worth $400,000 more than this damn right. dog's life? Yeah. Like, that's, you you don't value mm-hmm. the life of young black men. Like, right. this country doesn't, this criminal justice system doesn't. And it's effing wrong, your thoughts. I th- I think that you're exactly right on the undervaluing of black lives. But I also think that there's an overvaluing of the word of police that I don't know how you grew up. I don't know what you as a black man were taught as a child, but I was raised by liberal parents and, and kind of even at a younger age had some sense of 
cops are fucking heroes. They, they cannot they can do, do no wrong. They can do no wrong. And I think that that is as much of the equation as the devaluing of black lives is the overvaluing of police and treating them in a way where the benefit of the doubt is always given to them. And that's so crazy to me. It is crazy. It's I crazy. mean, especially when there's been so many instances of corrupt cops or corrupt whatever, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, and what I love is every time something like this happens, they say, well, it was a bad apple yet. The people calling it a bad apple seem to have no interest in getting that bad apple out of the barrel. No, they don't they say it's do a bad that. apple, but shrug. <laughs> and, and that's very strange to me. If, if we're going to recognize the inherent injustice and in what happened, then why are we un- unwilling to do anything about it? Um, and another thing that I think is different with this case, there's this disgusting um, pattern of any from Trayvon Martin to Alton Sterling of a black man is killed and let's dig into their background. Well, which is completely irrelevant, but it, it serves some nefarious purpose with Philando Castile. There was, Nothing there yet. Nothing there at all. Yet we reached the same verdict. And I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, the idea that we are punishing these people because they didn't leave pristine lives is disgusting. But it also goes out the window when a man who, in a lot of ways, did live a pristine life is still seen as worth nothing. Well, well, he smoked weed, so he was bad. Right. He smoked weed in front of his daughter, so therefore you deserve to have your life taken. It's funny, it was an article on The Undefeated. Um, which said that these uh these five words that police officers can say can basically get them off. These five words that the police officers can, officers can say can get them off without getting anybody else off. May I take a guess? Yes, I feared for my life. Yes, <laughs> yes. As long as if 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 no matter what happens, right? If a police officer says, "I fear for my life," mm-hmm. okay, cool. All right. Got it. Thanks. Right. Yeah. Right. No right. conviction. No nothing. Which when you we were, talk about, you were scared. Yeah. And I mean that's institutionalized. That is a that is a blanket law that essentially makes it impossible to convict. Um, but this was a jury trial, and I think it's this is something that almost shocked me. I didn't realize this, but they said, of course, you know, um, you know, the lawyers have the ability to choose the you know their juries, and a woman. Were a, they said that several black people were let go because they asked, have you had an interaction with the police? Which, if you're black, the answer is probably yes. Yet, there were two jury, uh, two jurists who, if you looked at their Facebook page, were hashtag Blue Lives Matter, and the judge found that to not be um, oh, seen really? as a bias. Yes. I did not know that. So... If you're black, oh, you already knew what was if you're black, there. you're almost inherently biased. But if you're a white person who does hashtag blue lives matter, then the judge found that not biased. And I mean, what do you do with that? What can you do with that? Right. I had no idea. I mean, obviously, like we've been conditioned as a society. I don't even want to say as a black people, but as a society, because there's there are some white people, allies, whatever you want to call them, that have been conditioned as well. Like when this happens, you already know, the, you already know the result. Mm hmm. You're basically numb to it. That, you feel for that person's family. 
uh, the person who has passed family. You feel for the city and you and everything that happened, that, that community, but you know ultimately nothing's really going to come of it. Right. You can call it a lot of things, but you can't call it shocking. Right. Which is and, and, and deeply that, sad. And that's what's the saddest part of this, of all of this is. Um, and it leads to, the, like, even, it's, it's even, like, lends itself to cop on cop. Like, it was a, I forget where it was. I, I don't remember. I can't remember either. where it was, but you know, this one dude, this one good cop, one of the good cops, sitting in his house off duty, chilling, watching TV, probably watching in living color or something <laughs> on TV one, <laughs> a sports center. Here's a crash. Decides, you know what? I am a cop. I'm off duty, but it is my civic duty as an officer to go check on this crash. Goes check on the crash. Does his no does his cop thing. Two other cops pull up, handcuff him. They treat him like he's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. He complies. No, whatever. Cool. Boom. Identifies himself. The two officers are like, okay, cool. You're good. We got you now. You can get up. Another officer out of nowhere pulls up in his car. Action Jackson right here pulls up, hops out, sees this black guy. Walking toward the cops, shoots him. Right. Yeah, right. Shoots exactly. Him. And just what? Then they tell him, bro, he's an undercover cop. I mean, he's an off duty cop. Like, why are you out here shooting? Oh, well, I didn't know he was approaching you because we told him to approach us. Mm-hmm. And before, I don't know if it was dash cam footage, I don't know what it was, where like the, the real thing came out, or is it was the, the other two officers that was like, look, no, everything, this is how it really went, besides the fact that this dude was just being way too trigger happy. Right. But that's the that's the mindset. That's that's, the that's mindset. how they think, right? You see, like this this dude was just doing his job when he was off the clock. And, he could have been anybody. That said, "Yo, there's a crash. <laughs> I hope they all right." And turn the TV up. Mm-hmm. But he tried to do good things, and then you end up getting shot by your fellow officer. And and I don't mean to pile on police, but you, you, they're the bravest, right? Yeah. Cops are cops are the the supposedly. They're the best. Of, they're the best and the bravest. Yet they come off like cowards. If you shoot anybody that makes you the slightest bit fearful, well, maybe you get to lose that brave mantle, or maybe we need to do a better job of of training or hiring or whatever it is. But that's not bravery. It's not. That's the that's the exact opposite of bravery. As I felt in some way slightly threatened probably because of skin tone. So I, ugh. look, I know as a very threatening six, 250 pound man, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. But I'm <laughs> terrified. I'm, sure, yeah, I'm just sweating over here. Every time you come to the studio, I'm like, okay, look, I know, whatever, I, I know, whatever I, you want. Jamal. I actually sold myself short because I'm six, three um, <laughs> as a six, three, 150 pound man. I know I'm very threatening to a bunch of people out there, but I shouldn't be to a police officer, especially right. if, if I, my only problem with this guy is if this is how sad the situation is, fam. If one of the two original officers had shot him, mm-hmm. I would have been like, eh, I kind of see it. But for Action Jackson to just pop up out of right. nowhere. When the situation is very the, much under control. The situation is already under control. And you just hop out your car firing. You don't know who you hitting. Right. That's cowardice. What? Why? Why, why are you here, fam? Right. That just makes, that makes zero sense. Like, if it was one of the other cops and said, oh, crap, he ran out of his house helping somebody. I didn't know. 
whatever. Like, no, you know. Yeah. And these videos are coming out more and more. I saw one today where uh, a cop shot a guy stepping out of his vehicle. He was pulling his hand up to hold up his wallet, and he gets shot in the back, and he falls down. See, like, and they keep saying, you know, resist or like wear your hands, wear your hands. And they walk over there, and it's all on the video. You can see him go. It was his wallet, man. It was his wallet, and the cop that shot him was pacing back and forth and like having like a a, a meltdown in in conjunction, not even conjunction, but in um to add to what you're saying, Florida just passed a law. I read about this that. <sighs> All the news comes from Florida, by the That's way. Yeah, Anytime you hear like just, a can we just Florida off? man, <laughs> it's like, oh boy. Here we go. They they just passed a law that requires agencies to let officers review, review body cam footage before writing a report. Or yeah, what's a, what's the, what is the name of that? Uh, I've heard it before. It, ju- it just passed. I think it passed late last week. I don't know. I was doing some research on some other stuff and it came up. Clurb. I believe it's what it's called. Is it what it's called? Yes, clerk. And that that just is out here just trying to save the officer's ass. Right. Right. Look at this first before you say anything because that way you can manipulate the story from this video as opposed to you coming out and saying, I fear for my life. And the video comes out and you're saying, bro, the dude was just holding a bag of skills. So it is clerk. It's uh, Civilian Law Enforcement Review Board. The clerk. So I, I think basically what it is is they that officers can be subject to be put up against review against the board by citizens and not. So Clerk passed Clerk passed this law. Yeah, so, I believe so. Yes. Clerb. All right. You want to read it to you? The Civilian Law Enforcement Review Board, or Clerb, is an independent non-police mayoral agency with the authority to investigate allegations of misconduct filed by citizens of the public against the city of Memphis police officers. Oh, that's here. So that's local. That's here. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But that, that ties in with uh, what you're speaking about. Yeah, right. Oh my goodness. I almost choked myself. Don't do <laughs> um, that. Yeah, no, that's not good. I fear for my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, idea what you hear so often with these things at least amongst a certain segment of white people is the idea of and it comes but comes back to this uh kind of unfaltering faith in policemen but you must have done something wrong you had to have done something wrong but now we have police evidence of a man who almost had a fucking guidebook in his lap <laughs> saying here is how you do it right be deferential. Be polite. If you have a gun in the car, let the officer know that. Let him know. Everything was done by the book to a degree that's almost insane to ask somebody. I, I did, you know, I would, I wouldn't handle myself with that. No. much. I don't know how. As a white guy, or just as a regular person, maybe I'm not that learned and how to. And and I think that's one of the more disturbing things about this case is if you look at it and you say, how could you play this by the book? It was played by the book. Yet yeah. Here we are. Well, and, and and like you said, that's the, I mean, we, we, we've used these words over and over disturbing, like incomprehensible, not like insane in some ways mm-hmm. that there is literally zero way you can tell somebody how to a, a black person how to interact with the cops that might not get you killed, like won't get you killed. Right. If you if, well, you didn't comply. Okay. Then you complied. 
okay? Right. Then you're disrespectful, okay? Then you are respectful. Like every in every instance. Well, let's of blame it on his history. Oh, well, his history is clean. I'm literally left with nothing. I, what else am I supposed to do? Let's just give his family three million dollars. Yep. NRA silent. I mean, I, I didn't mean, even think I didn't. I, I'm pretty sure I heard about that before I saw Trevor Noah's thing on it. Mm-hmm. But even that just puts it that much in perspective. If that doesn't put it in perspective for you. Well, and it's very much else, like the black cop getting shot. Where was hashtag blue lives matter? Didn't hear from them. I mean, it just kind of shows the inauthenticity of, of their messaging. It, there, and, there's no real. And, the NRA is now. We're getting to the point where people, they're not hiding. It, like, like They're not hiding. I, the, You're right. Drumpf, this guy, <laughs> he bold in these people. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, and all of these instances are just like, you know what? I mean, they're, they're dog whistles. Yeah, it's you all just, symptoms. You sit, you sit back on your Facebook and you just look at the comment. And it's, I mean, like we've all done it. We've, we've all had seen people you thought you were cool with or you had good relationships with from high school, from college, from work. From whatever, and you sit back and you read some of these Facebook statuses, and you're like, "What? I know. Where did that come from?" And what's interesting to me is it's, it always seems intellectually dishonest. It always seems like they're grasping at straws. Yet it's kind of the whole thing these days is somehow they feel like their identity or their worldview right. is threatened. Right. I I live when if I live in a world where policemen can just be killing folks indiscriminately, then I somehow lose a part of my identity. I somehow feel less tethered to this world, which is maybe sickly understandable, but it's killing people. Sickly understandable. Yeah. That's a great phrase. Trademarked. Um, (laughs) Let's get back to happier topics. Let's talk about how crazy your president is again. Let's do that. That's Um, always fun. I have this question on this paper and excuse the language from the question, but uh, how bad is President Trump going to end up fucking us? I think that's a big question. I I think there's two ways to think about it. One is what kind of policies and laws and will come out of the presidency. And then I think the other thing goes back to the, what we talked about earlier, just, the norms, and I'm actually more scared about the what, the, the latter. What is yeah? What this I think is coming up. If you n- have a presidency now, Jeff Sessions is a nightmare, and that the, and he's putting us back to the fifties and our you know corporate tax structures and healthcare and all these things matter deeply and are very real. But what's scarier to me is that now it's okay to tell blatant lies and it's okay to know nothing. And it's okay to be a misogynist and, you know, a racist. And that's, I think the legacy that scares me more, more than any kind of legislative, you know, what um, it feels like it's like when you're in a relationship with someone and then you guys get in that first big fight where then it opens up that door of like all the negative, hateful things that you could say to each other. <laughs> you say the, the, the door is open now. Yeah. I mean, like once you call somebody this, like I, th- that, I, I don't, I don't really feel like saying it. I don't know why. <laughs> like I don't feel like cursing right now, <laughs> but like the first time, all right. The first time you call uh, your girlfriend a bitch, you can't take that back. Nope. 
because that's forever that door is open. Yeah, I, that's act, that's a and from every argument she's going to think that you're going to call it. That. Yeah, you think what do you think I'm? You think I'm acting like a bitch or something right now? Mm-hmm. Like it, right? No, I didn't say that. And he's like, well, you did say that seventeen years, and it ago. goes the same way, you know, the same way for female to male. But the door is open, and it's just like it feels like, you know. Right, no, that's a good point, and I think that um, one of the things I've learned a lot about the U.S. system of government is how much of it is based on norms, how much of it is not laws or written rules, but based on the idea that humans will act decently. And decorum. Decorum. It's, 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 so much of our it's, system it's decorum. is, is decorum and unwritten rules, yeah. and once you violate those, then they're violated. Right. And that that ultimately scares me more than anything. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I wish we need more people with backbones, both Democrats and Republicans, to articulate those things. When oh, we we won't. Um, <laughs> nope. We 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 coming up on it. So I'm gonna run through some things real quick. I was doing some. Actually, I think I was with. Um, I was with this one. And she was talking about the uh, the travel, another travel ban, not Trump's travel ban, but the state of California's travel ban. And uh, I did some more research on it, and it, it kind of it's interesting because it ties into sports. I shall read. Um, so California has a travel ban that took effect in January that bars official travel to certain states. It outlaws state employees and officials from using tax money to go to states with laws that California deems discriminatory in regards to the LGBTQ issues on the list of these states that you cannot take official travel to using state dollars as Kansas, Mississippi, North Carolina, Alabama, Kentucky, South Dakota, Texas, and good old Tennessee. And so, like, so I'm thinking about that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, whatever. Who, no, who uses? So that means like politicians can't put mm-hmm. their travel here on their on their credit card on their cards, and they got to use their personal funds for it. But then somebody else mentioned something about the colleges and how this affects college sports. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even I didn't even think about that because college coaches are state employees. Yeah, yeah, that's quite interesting. And if the state and college universities use state money. Mm-hmm. Now they also get significant amount of money donated privately, but if the state is barring its employees, um, before you go any further, you're telling me that college coaches get money privately given to them. Uh, privately. Are you trying to say that college sports are corrupt, <laughs> sir? Sir. <laughs> Sir, you how would dare ne- you push the sanctity you, of college? You it's about never, the fundamentals. <laughs> you will never hear those words come out of my mouth. Although the NCAA is a sham, so um, so public universities. So the California is kind of crazy. So they have the UC system, which are the University of California schools, mm-hmm. and the uh, the Cal State University schools. Um, so UC system, University of California at Berkeley, which is Cal Berkeley. UC system, University of California at Los Angeles, which is UCLA. Right. And you got the other ones, Cal State University's uh, San Jose State. So it's Cal State University at San Jose and Fresno State, which, you know, is Cal State University at Fresno. They just call it Fresno State. Um, so some of those coaches 
in team staff, they are, they are state employees, won't be able to travel to states, to any one of those eight states on their list, using state money. So they'll have to, like I said, athletic department gets private funding from right. a lot of places anyway. So, I mean, but I'm sure that that's not in a budget to fly out. But think about football. Right. There's 16 coaches you're flying out and putting in a hotel room and doing and doing all that's private money. Uh, but the, the law did say if the games are already scheduled, they, it doesn't affect it. So like UCLA comes to Memphis in September. Mm-hmm. They can do that because it's already there. And I think they said San Jose State plays Texas or something like that in football. So those are good. But the next season, unless the legislature puts an amendment in there, which they probably will do because they don't want to uh, be those kind of people. Like, they don't want to, that's more money, and I'm pretty sure the universities will call a stink, but cause a stink. But that's pretty crazy. I want to, I, I kind of wonder if other states would, would take up that mantle, take up that argument regarding other issues besides the LGBTQ issues. Yeah, that that's interesting. I mean, we saw when North Carolina tried to pass the, or I guess, they passed successfully it. Yeah. passed the trans bathroom bill and just, and what's funny is there was an economic um, downside, certainly. It, it did come down to dollars, but I think it was almost more cultural. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen's not coming. And, and it was shaming. Yeah, It made you feel stupid and redneck and backwards. And I think that was almost spoke as loud as the dollars thing. And yeah. so I don't think it's a bad. It, of course, it gets when you get into the weeds of it, like what you're talking about, you know. Gets a little complicated, but I'm completely down with entertainers or states or companies or flexing their political clout. Well, I, mean, I think it's necessary. This is one of those things where I mean, California's taking <laughs> California's taking the lead on this, and I, like I said, I'll, I'll be surprised if other states don't. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I mean, California's already talking about trying to succeed, succeed, and you know, saying, you know, and like do some other performers stuff. thing. We're talking about Ray Charles famously did this in Georgia. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Georgia, absolutely, and I, yeah, I, I think it's a uh, a nice model to what follow. What a great song! It's what a great song. song. We should. Uh, you want to go out yeah. to that? No, we, not yet. We don't go out to it yet. Okay, uh, but we will. But we will. That will be the song we go out to. Uh, odds and ends. R.I.P. Uh, Pat Summit died a year ago today. R.I.P. Pat Summit, famous uh, UT Vols women's basketball coach. She's a legend. I've said it before. She made me a fan of women's basketball mm-hmm. because her teams were so dominant and so good and so fun to watch. And she was just a legend here in Tennessee. So RIP to coach. Uh, the BET Awards were Sunday night. We're not going to say RIP to Prodigy. And I wasn't, but you did. I did. RIP Prodigy. I'm, I wasn't that big of a Mob Deep fan. I told you this once. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't that big of New York rap back in the day. Um, Moving on. Moving on to the BET <laughs> Awards, uh, I gave some some grades to some notable performances. Bruno Mars opened the show, and Bruno's the man. He he is. Bruno is the man. How he can you, how can you hate Bruno? There's a way to open the show. Leslie Jones hosted it. She did okay. She did a bunch of yelling, but that's what she does in her stand up. So she's a I Memphian. Mean, she was born in Memphis, but didn't spend that much time here. Still I did. a Memphian, but you can call her a Memphian. <laughs> We're claiming. We're claiming her. Uh, the Migos performed. I- they did great. Um, I love the Migos, so that's that. 
Uh, Chance, rap, Chance the Rapper accepted his humanitarian award for the work he's doing in Chicago with the public schools and their art education and their arts things. Chance is like, how can you hate Chance? How can you not love Chance? Right. How can you not love this dude? He's, he's pretty great. He's, he's, he's awesome, man. the best, man. I've loved him since I found out that he existed on this world. And well, I mean, you're the one. You put me on acid rap. Ugh. So good. And then, uh, obviously, everybody and their mom listens to the coloring book. So also you know, so good. That's what it is. Um, Escape had a reunion. Who that's can exciting. I run to? Wow. That's what they asked. Um, I give them an A on hmm. a scale of A to F. They can still sing. They got to work on their endurance because they like when Go they were winded, huh? when they were sitting down singing. Perfect. They stood up, started moving. You Get know off. what I'm saying? Get Voice. Off. Voice, voice wasn't there. And it they escaped him. <laughs> that was not worth laughing at. <laughs> and they performing at Essence this weekend. They performing at Essence this weekend, so they got to get that ready. Oh my god! Essence. Have you ever been to Essence? I I performed in Essence in the seventh grade. I'm gonna need you to explain this. Yes, I was in a performing arts group from Memphis called Watoto Day Africa. Mm-hmm. Familiar. Uh, we performed at the Essence Festival. Uh, so it wasn't the big Essence Essence Festival. It was one like of a the, ten outside. No, it was it was at the, it was at the New Orleans Convention Center. You ask. <laughs> it was at the New Orleans Convention Center. Um, Billy Blanks. This is when Tybo was big. Nice. I remember how <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Billy. Billy. Billy was opening, and then someone so it was us, and I can't remember who else. But um, we had a nice little photo spread in Essence Magazine back in the day with that. I love that. Cool. That's something you never think about. These people that get marginally famous, they just tour around and go to state fairs. <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Look, look, Billy Blanks was that man. Tybo made him a millionaire. That's yeah. great. Uh, and so yeah. I de- that's that was my that has been my essence experience. Let that. me tell you that essence is the best. I've yeah, I've seen Beyonce and Kanye and uh, she Alex yeah. all Prince. Yes, the person who doesn't ever want to get on the microphone, but she still wants to talk during the show. Like I everybody can't remember can hear. I saw, yeah, but. you need to come. You, you Prince. Yeah, she yeah. saw Prince. You have to get on mic and talk about Prince. <laughs> I would tell you by the time I saw Prince in Fresno on my twenty third birthday. Twenty. Third birthday, yeah. I saw Prince front row at the pyramid. Was he floating down the street? Just, yeah, you look just him in his eyes the, and you turn gay. <laughs> just above the street. <laughs> one, this is one of the this things. This is one of those things is universally understood. <laughs> <laughs> and he was riding the bike around in the crowd before because that's what Prince does. What a G. What a G. Um, and then the entire cast, crew, directors, assistant directors, sound guy from the new edition biopic. And <laughs> they all performed as well. Uh, they eat each one of the segments of the kids of the um, of the group did their thing. But the best performance of all of that of the new edition part was the actual new edition performance. Um, a lot of lip singing, mm-hmm. but Johnny Gill Johnny Gill still can sing. Ralph Tresvent can still sing every now and then. He was doing a little bit too much dancing. You heard a lot of the lip singing in him. Ricky Bell can still sing. Here's the thing. Bobby can't. Bobby needs to sit down somewhere. Wow. Bobby needs to go. If you wanted somewhere. to talk about each individual member of New Edition, you shouldn't have invited a white guy because I don't know what you're talking about. I know who Bobby Brown is. Moving you, on. You know all of this music history. I got to talk about know. New Edition. I don't, you know, come on. We got to find out if they performed in Memphis at least once so we can put them in the Memphis Hall of Fame. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, queue up that. Uh, are we playing Georgia or are we playing on the way out? What do you want to play on the way out? We're going to play Georgia. We should play the uh, the field mob version. 
<laughs> was, it, was it with Ludacris? Was yeah, it yeah, yeah. Uh, the Field Mile version, Georgia, and Jamie Foxx as Ray. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the kickback. We thank you again for listening. This is your boy Jamal. I got my boy Ezra with me. This Ray Pleasure Charles in the background. Uh, check us out on iTunes, Google Radio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or the OM network.com slash kickback that's the oam network.com slash kickback like comment five stars we thank you guys for the suggestions if you want to send us um, the email or anything check the facebook out if you want to uh, teach me about new edition if you want to teach ezra about new edition check him out uh once again we thank you for all the support and um, we'll catch y'all again next week take it easy peace A song of you. The proceeding is an own production. For more information, oh, go to the OAMnetwork.com. This podcast is brought to you by Amazon. Everything from A to Z. Help support this show by simply using our Amazon portal, the OAMnetwork.com slash Amazon. Same Amazon deals and prices, and it sends a percentage to own. That's the OAMnetwork.com slash Amazon. Other eyes smile tenderly.